You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Decade of Praise. Enjoy. So excited about all that God has in store for us this year. So if you, if you need to do a few jumping jacks to stay awake, go ahead and do them right now. I'll wait. Are you okay? I don't know why I stayed up watching that game last night. Because I'm a Pats fan. Aren't we spoiled? We had a 12 and 4 season, made it to the postseason, and we're Oh, God is good. Isn't he good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, you know, as I pray about us, Highway, this family here, and 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 God and asking him what he wants to do, and I share with you that I felt he impressed upon my heart. This is the year of taste and see. Taste and see, that's, that's our senses. God wants you to experience him in your body. In your physical body. This makes religion mad because religion likes to give you hypothetical theories about what it's like to know God when you get there someday. But Jesus came so you could experience God now in his fullness. And I don't apologize for the way that I talk because Jesus talked this way. So if it shocks you, just switch your seatbelt on and relax. Because we, 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 we put this place together by the Holy Spirit so that you could experience God in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. He's a God of the whole person. And, you know, it's funny how re- re- the, the religious know-it-alls don't get mad if you talk about a, a day way off in the future that no one will ever know that maybe someday you'll experience him. But when you talk about experiencing God today, they start getting upset. Yeah. When you start talking about experiencing God in real ways in your real life, the religious know-it-alls get upset. But Christ was real, and he came and experienced real healing. He ministered real healing in real life to real people in real situations in this planet Earth. So this is a year of taste and see. This is a year for you to experience God not only in your spirit, but in your soul, in your mind, in your will, in your emotions, and in your body. God's not afraid of being real. Nothing makes him afraid. He wants you to taste and see how real he is. So that's what we're going to walk into and grow into and experience this year. So I was really excited about uh, uh, starting this year with a series called Your Best Life. Your Best Life. Not your okay life, not your kind of better than usual or above average life or or good life or really good life, your best life. Experiencing all that God has for you, the abundance of his presence and provision, actually uh, utilizing every gift and talent that's inside of you to its fullest potential, Led and inspired by the Spirit of God. But we're not going to start that today. (laughs) Just this week, as I was praying about it, and I already was getting ready, the Lord said, I want you, before you start that, so I think we're going to start it next Sunday, I I, I want you to 
to minister life out of Psalm 34. And I know this is a new year, but it's also a new decade. And he said, I want you to call this message Decade of Praise. Decade of Praise. And I've never had the Lord speak to me in this way before, but I believe he wants us to look at the next 10 years. From 2020 to 2030. Ooh, a lot can happen in one moment of walking with God. A lot can happen in a day walking with God. A lot can happen in a week, a month, a year. A lot can happen in 10 years. Think back to where you were 10 years ago. I don't know if you were walking with God 10 years ago. But I was, and I look and I think, I'm, I'm like a different person. He has done so much inside of me. He's transformed me. So I'm like a different person. I if I met myself today, 10 years ago, I don't think I'd recognize me. <laughs> I think differently now. I act differently now. I respond differently now. I walk in more authority now. I walk in more strength now, more health now, more wisdom now, more provision now. With God, it's always higher. It's always up. It's always more. He's inexhaustible. Decade of praise. We are going to create and cultivate in this decade a lifestyle of praise. We are no longer going to allow or have conversations with doubts and fears. We are no longer going to allow fear to have a conversation with us. We're not going to allow it anymore. We're not going to allow doubts to bend our ear. We're going to silence them by exercising our will to give him glory, to praise him in the midst of whatever circumstance or situation we are in, being fully assured, fully satisfied that God is able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he's promised. Let's go to Psalm 34. This is a different life. You've just stepped into a new dimension of life. It's an atmosphere and a life of confidence and conviction and certainty and assuredness. A confidence that's not born of your talents and abilities, that is born of God being your father and God being for you every moment of your life, no matter what. Hallelujah. Psalm 34. Let's read the whole thing. How about it? 22 verses. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will boast in the Lord. Follow along with me back there. Verse 2, 
Is that the NIV? Is that a different NIV? My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. All right, we'll just keep going. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. That's our year, tasting and seeing, right? Experiencing the blessing of his presence and provision in every area of our lives. Verse 9, fear the Lord, you his saints. And that is not being afraid that will hurt you. That's not at all what that means. That's a word we use today. It's very different. In this context, it's an awesome reverence for him. It's an awesome wonder that motivates you to know him. All right? Back in the day, they would, some, some would name their children fear. That seems weird to us today, but it wasn't back then. It was an awesome word, a word of wonder and reverence, a word of inspiration. So awesomely revere the Lord. Let him inspire you, his saints. For those who are, who are awed by his presence, who have an awesome reverence for him, lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord, that's what fear of the Lord is. It motivates you to seek him. Not a fear of punishment, not that he's going to hurt you, that he's going to bless you. Hallelujah. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue. Right? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. The King James says guile, deceit, gossip. Right? The things you don't need to ever say about anyone. You guard your tongue. You don't speak like the world speaks. A lot of the shows that are on TV are just gossip sessions. They call them talk shows. If you want to live and see many good days, don't watch those. They'll change the way you talk if you watch them. They will. They'll put thoughts in your mind, and you'll start going with that flow, and that flow is a flow of guile. You don't need that in your life. You don't need their advice and their counsel, and you don't need them to spill the tea about so-and-so. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. You know, on social media, if I, if I have someone in my feed that makes uh, gossipy posts or, or posts that are ungodly, I block them. I don't want to see it. 
I don't, I don't want that in my, in my feed. Now, I, I, I'm not very diligent with, uh, I got more people in my feed that I can manage right now on, on one platform, but if I ever come across something, I just, I, I block it. I don't, nope, sorry. It's not for me. You can do that if you want to, but I like life. I want to see many good days. Hallelujah. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. I hope you speak to your bones. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Love this song. Loved it so much, I don't know, years ago, maybe back in the late 80s, early 90s, I memorized the thing. Because I wanted it in me. I wanted it flowing around in my, in my thought life and in my heart and my mind. Now let's talk about praise for a little bit because there are some different concepts of what praise is and what's often taught is is kind of a well I'll just praise the Lord and then whatever will be will be (laughs) that's not what the Bible teaches when I talk about a decade of praise I'm talking about a confidence that you are certain, you are sure that every promise God has made is yes and amen in your life. I'm talking about that kind of praise. A confident assurance that everything God has said is yes in your life. That God is able and mighty to keep his word to you and that he will do what he has promised. That every promise he's made has now become your right now provision in Christ. That's the kind of praise I'm talking about. This is not an ignorant praise. This is a praise based on the knowledge of who he is. That's the difference in our praise here. We base our praise on the revealed knowledge of God through Christ. I'm amazed as I, as I travel around and look at different things that the churches teach. And I saw recently one church said, you know, we don't presume to, to really basically establish any kind of a doctrine because God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And who are we to say that we know this and we know that? I thought, wow. Do you know that scripture in Isaiah where God says his ways are higher than our If you look at the context of that scripture, God is inviting us to take on his ways, to take on his thoughts. He's revealing his ways and thoughts to us. 
If God hadn't sent Christ, I can understand that kind of thinking. But God sent Christ so that we would know his ways and know his thoughts. Jesus is our doctrine. This is not a life of whatever happens, whatever will be, will be. We're just going to praise him anyway. That doesn't please God at all. God wants you to be confident of who he is in your life. He wants you to be sure and certain of what he's done for you. That's what pleases him. It's impossible to please him in any other way. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So this, I'm not going to presume that I know the will of God kind of thinking, is not pleasing to him. Doesn't Hebrews teach us that? Is it verse 6 of chapter 11? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. What is faith defined in verse 1 of the same chapter? Being sure and certain, knowing it. Knowing what God has said, knowing his will, knowing his plan, knowing his purpose. Now, we don't know all the details of that. But there are fundamental truths that cover every area of our lives that we do know because he revealed them to us. Right? That he has provided wholeness for us through his son. Healing and health for the rest of our lives. That he has given us his righteousness. The abundance of his grace. And that through those two things we reign in life through Jesus Christ. That we are new creations in him. That we're full of his spirit. That, that, that we are uh, led by his spirit in every situation of life. He's leading and guiding us. There are things we do know. We focus on the things God has revealed to us through Christ. He wants us to know those things. He wants you to know him in 2020. Listen, you can have an experience with God, but you can't consistently experience God until you get the knowledge of who he is in your mind and in your heart. You've got to know how much he loves you. You've got to know that Jesus himself bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases. You've got to know the punishment that, was, that we deserve was put upon Christ and that with his stripes we are healed, that we have this, this unhindered relationship with God that no one can take away from you. No one can separate you from the intimacy the Father has given you. These are the things you are to know and be sure of every day of your life. That's the kind of praise I'm talking about. We can't praise him biblically any other way. Our praise is born out of knowledge of his nature. It's born out of knowledge of Christ and what he's done for us. We are not presuming upon God to say the things we say. It pleases him for us to declare what he's revealed. That's why he sent his son so that you today on January 5th in 2020 could taste and see him every day of your life for the rest of your life. So the psalm that we just read in its entirety begins with probably the two most important words in your life. I will. Probably the two most important words in your life. It's the one thing that no one can take from you. Your will. We're, human beings are unique creatures. We were made in the image of God. We're not like animals. We didn't come from the animal kingdom. We never have. We never will. That's, that's a, a, an idea that's not based in science. That's an idea based in, 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 in darkness. And it's a rejection of the simple truth that's all around us. You might think so, but I don't look like a monkey. I might act like one sometimes. 
I don't look like a squirrel or a groundhog. I never have. I do have a little bit of a beard, but like a groundhog, I don't know. Listen, you don't come from an animal. You were made in the image of God. See, that's what, what's funny, and boy, I, I just, we'll just let the Holy Spirit encourage us. You see, you gotta see behind the veil of these philosophies. I like, sci real science, I like. I like to study and observe what's in front of us and even things we can't see and break things down and observe what's around us. I do that every day. I like to observe things. That's what real science is. It's a study and observation of the world around us. But see, Satan has, has, is trying to keep you from experiencing God somewhere along the line, a theory, and it's a theory of evolution, began to be proclaimed. That we weren't created in God's image, as the Bible says, that we've evolved from an explosion who knows how long ago. And we started out as just a, a blob of mass and and over millions and millions of years, that blob of mass eventually turned into, you know, a, 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 a more sophisticated blob of mass. And, and just over time, boom, here I am. That makes no sense. I'm just being real with you. We're living in a world that doesn't support that. You put anything out in this world and leave it alone and see if it gets better. Try it. Take any substance you can think of and just set it out in this world and see if it, it, it becomes better over time or if it deteriorates. Science, real science, the laws of physics teach us that everything in this world deteriorates. It goes from a state of order to disorder. That's the world we're living in. But we're different. We were, Adam was made in the image of God, Eve in the image of God. They didn't walk around like this, grunting. No, they were upright. And they were so intelligent, God brought before them every creature he created, and they assigned the purpose to each one and named them. Can you imagine that? Do you have a butterfly collection? Imagine every creature that God created, every insect, every fish, every bird, every mammal, every creature. That's intelligence. That's revelation. He created man to live by a revelation and you are made in his image. Don't ever think of yourselves as an animal. We love dogs and cats, but they're not people. They never will be. They're just dogs and they're just cats. It's time to stop seeing yourself as an animal. If I believe I came from animals, even if it's not true, I'm going to kind of act like one in some ways. Right? I'm going to think I live by instinct like they do. We don't. We live by faith. We live by relationship with the one who made us. Animals don't have faith. They just do what God made them to do. You know, we get excited when our dog can sit and we say sit. They go, oh, well, they're just like us. They're so intelligent. Listen, God made animals. You know, it's, I love that about God. He, he made some animals to really, to, to, to be a part of, of a culture, out of a family. There's some animals like dogs. They just love being around people. 
Most of them, right? God did that. There are some animals that run if they hear the sound of a person. They don't ever want to be around people, right? Hallelujah. It's time to see yourself as a being made in the image of God. To live life in intimacy with him and to live by faith and to know him. So this word, I will, these two words, I will, are really important. Why? Because we're the only beings on this planet that can exercise our free will. Animals don't do that. No, they don't. They just do what they're designed to do. You had to train your dog to do the things it did. And usually there's a treat involved, right? We're not like that. No, we're not. I can exercise my will to do something with no promise of a treat. Just because I want to do it. I can choose to do something that's actually going to hurt me because I have a free will. So this will that we've been given is something that is very precious. It's yours. Don't let anyone mess with it. Don't let anyone threaten you or tell you how to live. You exercise your will on your behalf to know the one who made you. You are sacred. You're a God creation in his image. Now, do you know who wrote Psalm 34? Anybody know? Good guess. He wrote a lot of psalms, didn't he? Yes, David. But you know he wrote this at a very challenging time in his life. David, as a young man, was given the responsibility of, of tending the sheep. And his other brothers had other responsibilities. And, and when the prophet came to town, to, to, came to the family to, to anoint and pray for the next king, David's dad didn't even call David into the house to meet the prophet. He left him out with his sheep. And the prophet went through every one of his brothers and said, no, he's not the one, he's not the one, he's not. He said, do you have any more sons? Said, yeah, we've got one more, but he's out with the sheep. In other words, you know, he's really not important. You don't need to pray for him. Certainly he wouldn't be the one. Well, he was the one. But we see in the Psalms of David a relationship that he cultivated with God. Now, David wasn't born again. No one could be born again until Jesus rose from the dead. He wasn't full of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. But he exercised his will to know his father. And in this, at this point in time in David's life, he was anointed by God to be the king. He rescued Israel from the, from the uh, let's say Galatians, from the Philippians, from the, who? Philistines, thank you. Yeah, from the Philistines, those guys, right? And he was a hero of the nation. And the king of Israel at that time was not to be king anymore. He had got off into to wicked ways and it had really gone in an ungodly direction and God had removed him, but he wouldn't give up his throne. And he actually turned on David, who had been so good to him and such a blessing to the nation, and he was trying to kill David, and he wrote that at this time. When he was being exiled from the kingdom God gave him, when he, he was given a position by God, and there was another man, an evil man, who wasn't valuing the ways of God, was standing in the way saying, you can't have this position. 
Listen to me. God has things in store for you, but you will face opposition. It's the nature of the world we live in. So don't try and pretend it doesn't exist. Don't try and avoid it. Fortify yourself in the love God has for you. If God said it, it belongs to you, and no one can change that. So this is the context of what he's saying here. And he starts by saying, I'm making a conscious decision in the midst of this persecution, in the midst of this very difficult set of circumstance, the king of this nation is trying to kill me. I've been exiled from the very thing God called me to. In the midst of that, I'm going to exercise my will and I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise has become my new language. It will continually be in my mouth. And if you and we're not going to read through the whole psalm again, but you'll see that when you make this decision, it opens your eyes to the reality of God in your life. We watched a movie uh, uh, after we got back from our trip. It's on, I think it was on Amazon Prime called. Uh, the, what was it called? The Aeronauts? The Aeronauts. Yeah, it's a new Amazon Prime original. And it, it was very entertaining. And it was inspired by a true story, and I don't remember all the details. In 18-something, there was a gentleman who believed that we could study the, the atmosphere and weather patterns and learn what's going to happen and even predict the weather. And he was laughed at. And uh, there, at that time, a hot air balloon had gone 26,000 feet above the Earth's uh, surface. And he wanted to go higher, that, higher than that, and he wanted to study it. But everyone laughed at him. And he finally found someone who would, who would uh, fund this mission that he had. And he ended up going up to, I think it was 36,000 feet. And, he, and here's the thing, if you watch the movie, and uh, in that movie, they got up to a certain elevation and a storm came. And this storm was, was knocking that balloon every which way. And they're just lightning. And, and, and in the midst of that, they made a decision. They made a decision not to retreat and go back down, but to go higher above the storm. Praise will lift you up above the storm where you can see things that you couldn't see when you were in the storm. So what they did when they were in the storm, they got rid of the unnecessary weight that was in their basket. They got rid of the unnecessary weight that was keeping them from going higher. Praise, if you will make this decision of Psalm 34, 1, to bless the Lord at all times, not ignorantly, not accepting your circumstances, because he has provided a way for you, because he's your provision, your victory, and your strength, then you will notice that unnecessary things will begin to leave your life, unnecessary weight will begin to drop from your life, and God will begin to elevate you above your circumstances, and you will see them in a different way, you'll see his provision for you. I'm telling you, there were times in my life over the last 30 years where it looked like I wasn't going to make it. It looked like, and, and the devil was talking to me, trying to tell me how bad things were or how bad they were going to get. 
because I wasn't this or I wasn't that or I didn't do this or I didn't do that or I should have done this, I did, should have done that. And when I began to praise him, my view of the whole situation changed. And I realized, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't the worst time of my life, this is the best time of my life. I have the victory now. So this gentleman who began to rise above the storm, he was studying and he realized there are layers of the atmosphere. And, and, and the conditions are different depending on what layer you're in. So if you're in the layer that's below the storm, you feel all the effects of the storm. If you're in the layer above the storm, you don't even know the storm is there. Let me tell you, Jesus asked his disciples to get in the ship and to cross the water, and a storm came upon them. Storms are never from God. Never. Never. How do we know that? Because his kingdom is not divided. He, God didn't try and take out his own son with a storm. Jesus taught us that, right? They accused him of doing what he did by the prince of, of uh, Beelzebub, right? The ruler of this world. And he said, well, if I'm doing it, if I'm doing these things by his power, then his kingdom divided and it can't stand. But if I do these things by the spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus in his ship, the goal was to get to the other side. Satan was trying to keep them from getting to the other side. A storm came upon that ship that was so bad, it was filling their ship with water. So listen to me, they were geographically speaking, they were in the same ship, in the same place, in the same situation, in the same circumstance. The disciples were panicked, Jesus was sleeping. Why? Because he had a different vision. He could see things they couldn't see because he knew his father was with him. His father was for him. When you are sure and certain that God is with you, that God is in you, that God is for you, you will see things others can't see. You will respond differently. The people around you will be panicked and stressed and you'll be sleeping soundly. So when I'm talking about elevation, I'm not talking about physically going to 26,000 feet. See, in the spirit realm, it's different. There are angels in this room right now. How come I can't touch them? There's a different realm. It's the spirit realm. When Jesus rose from the dead in his glorified body, the house was locked and he came through the walls. There's a spirit realm. And it's going on all around us and passing through the walls of the buildings we're in. What I'm talking about is not going higher in the sense of feet or miles. I'm talking about seeing into the realm of the spirit through praise. So you're living in this world and circumstances may be contrary to what God has promised you and what God is speaking to you. So this is what I'm talking about. So we don't get in a hot air balloon and try and float away. We begin to worship him and say, thank you, Father. Your word is truth. 
Your word is fulfilled in my life. What you have said is manifest in my life. You are faithful to do the things you've promised me. You are working on my behalf. You're accomplishing the things that concern me. I am who you say I am. I have what you say I have. I can do what you say I can do. And when you begin to step into this way of thinking and open up your mouth and begin to declare these things and worship him, you will begin to see a different realm. You'll begin to have a different perspective on what's going on around you. And a peace will begin to rise up on the inside of you. And you'll be able to, to, to do what's necessary to move forward in your situation. I will. So in this decade of praise, we're exercising our will. To cultivate this daily lifestyle of praise. We are no longer going to have a conversation with fear of any kind. We're not going to allow fears and doubts to talk with us. We don't allow them on our feed. We don't allow them. We will silence them from 2020 to 2030. Ten years. Ten years. Ten years. Let's say it. Ten years. I want you to think ten years. This is a new life for you. It's a new way of living. It's a new depth of understanding. It's a new strength. It's a new vision that we are going to silence the the voices of the enemy when they begin to whisper to us, we're going to open our mouths and worship Christ. Don't get into a debate with fear. Don't begin to, to entertain its suggestions and scenarios and figure out how you can avoid them. Do you hear me? This is the devil's strategy. He wants to present scenarios to you that, and there will be, there will be some tempting things in there that could, could very well happen. Could have, could have some truth. He'll always have some truth when he comes to you. He'll always have some truth. If it was totally ridiculous, we wouldn't listen to him. So he'll use logical things and he'll tell you, well, you know, it's been like this for this many weeks or months or years and you haven't done that and you really don't deserve to have this. You should have done that back there. So just accept it. Pick up your bootstraps and deal with it. He'll try and talk you into living a life that is far below what Christ has already provided for you. And oftentimes, he'll use your shortcomings as leverage. What you have or have not done. But here's a wonderful way to be free from that. As soon as he starts whispering to you, Jesus, I worship you. Your word is truth in my life. Thank you. I'm a new creation in you. Hallelujah. Glory and praise and honor and power be under your name. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm born of you, not of natural descent or of human decision or husband's will. I'm born of you, and you've given me authority and power to walk in this earth as your son. Thank you. I'm full of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Oh, what was that you said, Devil? I forgot. I, I couldn't hear you. I was praising him. 
you won't even remember what he says to you. It's time to drown out fear and doubt with praise. From 2020 to 2030, this is 10 years we're doing this. What about 2031? We'll talk then. 20 years we're doing this. We're going to bless the Lord. We're silencing the voices of darkness in our lives, not through mental gymnastics and, and trying harder, but just by praising him. Just by praising him. And the devil will do this in ways you're believing God for something, and he'll say, well, you know, you really, you haven't prayed for as long as you should have. So you really need to do more prayer before you ask God for that or believe for that. You're not ready. You're not mature enough. Right? You, and, and, and you know you, you shouldn't have watched what you watched. And so you, you know, you're just not qualified to receive that from God. And you know, and you know your age. I mean, by now, most people have this or, or you know, I mean, you're living in this world. What do you, what do you expect? He, he's a good conversationalist. He really will. He'll try and talk you into whatever you'll accept. But I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you know God lives in the praises of his people? What does that mean, God inhabits the praise? It means God shows up when people are trusting in him. That's why I think what Psalm 22 something, 22, I don't know, it's in Psalm 22, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Let's think about that for a little bit because a goldfish is living in a bowl of water, right? You're living in an atmosphere, naturally and spiritually speaking, but we can create the own atmosphere we live in. A goldfish can't do that. If you forget to change the water, they're toast. I remember we had this special frog uh, in a bowl, and was it Dana's frog? Whose frog was it? Eden's? Mariah's? Was it your frog? Oh, it was Mariah's frog, and someone gave it to her. I think it was an, an African frog. Prince was his name. And we were moving, and we had to move all of our belongings into our, to over to our sister's uh, home, and we had everything in the garage, in a two-bay garage. And we left the frog in a bowl on top of this stack of boxes and was actually right behind the air conditioner. You know what comes out of an air conditioner when it's on? It was in the summer too. Hot air. It was in August. And this thing was running. So Prince got boiled. He had no say in his atmosphere. <laughs> We're very sad about it. You know, we try not to talk about it. It was a long time ago. It was an accident. It wasn't intentional. But listen, he couldn't do anything about it. Why? Because he's a frog. Frogs can't change their atmosphere. Fish can't change their atmosphere. Dogs can't change. Why? Because they weren't made in the image of God. They're not made in God's image. They don't have a free will. They can't change the atmosphere that they live in. But you can. 
You can. We are atmosphere changers. This is who we are. This is why we're in the earth, so that God would flow through us and live in us and change the atmosphere around us everywhere we go. We are light bearers from heaven. We are sons and daughters of God, full of his spirit. And everywhere we go, God goes. Hallelujah. When we open our mouth, the spirit of God speaks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're heaven sent, God ordained, chosen, royal priests. We're a holy nation. We're a people belonging to him and we're shining his light into this world. It's a light of confidence and joy and victory and peace. It's a light that comes from knowing how much he loves you. It's a light that comes from knowing, from what, he, knowing what he's done for you from knowing who you are now in him, you're you're not disqualified. See, when the devil's trying to tell you you can't have that because you haven't done this, you begin to worship God saying, thank you, Lord, I'm justified in Christ. I'm righteous. I'm just as righteous as you are, righteous Father, because the righteous blood of your Son has made me your very own righteousness. I praise you, Father, you have done it. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus became sin for me so that I could be your righteousness today. I will. I'm exercising my will to change the atmosphere I live in. Hallelujah. Decade of praise. I'm going to do it in 2020 all the way to 2030. Hallelujah. We're God's X-Men. We're aliens. We're not from earth. Hallelujah. We're from heaven. But we didn't come on a spaceship. We were born of God's spirit. Born of the incorruptible word. Hallelujah. No one can change that. Hallelujah. Now look at Romans chapter 4. We're talking about praise. I will bless the Lord at all times. Romans chapter 4. This is the kind of praise we're talking about. Verse 20 and 21. Now, remember, you got your hard copy Bible, right? If you don't have one, get one for 2020. Get one today as soon as you can. Get your hard copy Bible, right? Getting the truth of his love for you in this book into your heart will change the atmosphere of your life. It will make you an atmosphere changer, okay? But in this book, we have divided into two sections, right? We've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's a big book, right? 66 different books in here. So although this book is the word of God, it's perfect, it's inspired by him, you'll never find another book like this, never. It's infallible, but it's real. Not everything in this book is for you today. Okay? And we need to know that. So I don't just read something in the Bible and say, okay, I'm gonna do that. No. What's for you today is Jesus Christ. Everything he made possible, everything he did on our behalf, everything he exemplified and demonstrated to us, okay? 
Now, back in the Old Testament, before Christ came, before the law was given, okay, 400-some years before the law was given, there was a man named Abram, right, who became Abraham. God spoke to him, not in a burning bush, not on a mountain with stone tablets. That was 400-some years later. There was no tabernacle in the wilderness. There were no Levitical priests. There were no sacrifices. There was no, none of the things we read in the time of Moses. This is hundreds of years before that. God spoke to a man, and this man believed him. It's that simple. That's how God operates. He speaks and he wants us to respond. Does he speak to you today? Yes. Every day, yes. You just need to learn to know his voice. God talks to us. There are religious folks that would make fun of us for saying that. You're presuming to know the voice of God? No, I know the voice of God. There's no presumption involved. He's my father. He's my father. I know the voice of my father. Where's the presumption in that? My kids know my voice. Why? Because they've heard it their whole lives, right? So way back, this man set a template for us today. That's why he's called the father of our faith. God spoke to him and he believed him. That's the context of this verse. But the, the ultimate promise that God gave Abraham is that through him the nations of the world would be blessed. And when you put your faith in Christ, the blessing of Abraham becomes yours. What was God talking about? Atmosphere changers in every nation, in every state, in every city, in every town, in every home. But at the time that God spoke to him, he was beyond the age of childbearing, he and his wife. And besides that, his wife was barren, which, mean, which means medically speaking, she could not have children. And God told him that through you, there's going to come a son, and through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. The Messiah is coming through your lineage. What a promise. So in the midst of his challenges, now Abraham lived in a family where his dad was a, a worshiper of pagan gods, worshiped the moon and other things. So he was brought up in a family that didn't know the voice of God. God asked him to walk away from all of that and follow him. That's a, that's a big decision. That's not an easy decision, to walk away from the negative influences you've grown up with and start listening to God now. Big decision right? But he did it. And God gave him this promise. And he said, I want you to look up at the stars in the sky. And more numerous than the stars you see will be your children. And that's where we look at verse 20 and 21. You can imagine, see, sometimes we think, and, and you may hear messages like this, and you think, okay, everything's just going to be Jim Dandy for the rest of my life. You know what that mean, word means? It means hunky-dory. You know what hunky-dory means? It means Jim Dandy. Okay? 
No, really, as we talk about all that Christ's done for us, we think that everything's just going to go perfectly in our lives. But the reality is we're living in a fallen world. We're in enemy territory. You would be an ignorant fool to walk on the battlefield like this whistling. If you know you're on a battlefield, how are you going to walk? You might be crawling, right? You might be diving in a ditch. You might be behind a tree or a rock. You're fully aware. You're fully prepared. You've got your armor on. You've got your weapons loaded. You are ready for a confrontation. There are many believers going through a life who are not even ready for a confrontation. And when the confrontation comes, they don't know what to do. What happened? I thought we weren't supposed to have any problems. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trials, distress, frustration, tribulation, but be of good cheer, take courage. I've overcome the world. I've conquered it on your behalf. I've deprived it of power to harm you and conquered it for you. So this word enables us to to be victorious on the battlefields that we're on. It prepares us for confrontation. And if you're not studying this book and getting the promises of God in your heart, you're a sitting duck for the enemy. You know what that means? You're open prey. He can take advantage of you. That's why the devil tries to discredit the Bible. He doesn't want people to know what's in here. Right? We know it's been mistaught. We know it's misunderstood. But but wrong teachings of the Bible don't take away from the truth of the Bible. Right? I can use money for evil purposes. It doesn't take the value of the money away. Money is just money. Right? Truth is truth. Don't let wrong teachings of the Bible and wrong teachings of God keep you from the truth about who he is. Know this word for yourself so that no one can take advantage of you. So that no one can talk you out of what God has done for you. No matter who they are or what credentials they carry, don't let anyone talk you out of what Christ has done for you. Don't let anyone tell you who you are other than God himself. You are a new creation in him. You're justified by the blood of Jesus. You're the righteousness of God in Christ today. So here's a a little summary of what's going on inside the heart of Abraham. And I love this in verse 20. No unbelief or distrust made him waver. And I like how it says it here because it's speaking as if unbelief and distrust are, are persons. And they really are. In other words, they're like spiritual entities trying to thwart God's plans for you. There are spirits that have schemes against you. It's just true. Why ignore that? Be aware of that. We don't want to be ignorant. There are beings in the spirit realm who are writing down strategies to keep you from going all the way. That doesn't make us afraid. It makes us smart. (laughs) Dean, oh, he's in children's room. It makes us smart. Right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it's interesting. I, I, when we were visiting your family, they told me about someone in the, in the area we were at, in the Tampa area. 
who was going around homes and taking packages off of the porches and stealing them. But they were caught. You know how they were caught? Cameras. <laughs> A lot of people have their cameras on their porches. So there's this person walking up. And you're on camera. Right? And they're, they're being tried for felony. Yeah. But what, what, what foiled the plan of that thief? Vision. Seeing things they couldn't see without the camera. When you worship him, when you praise him out of confidence of who he is, what he's done for you, who you are in him, you will see the strategies that the enemy has against you. You'll see them. It gives you a vision. You're like, oh, you thief. Get out of my life. I love that. But it, listen, exercise your will to praise him and watch what you see. There will be things that may have been plaguing you for months, and after some time in worship, you'll say, wait a minute, devil, get out of here in Jesus' name. Praise does that. No unbelief or distrust made him waver. So you know unbelief and distrust were talking to him. Look at you, Abram. You're, well, you're too old. Have a baby. That's a joke. Yeah, and, and, and more that, that, that outnumber the stars. I mean, uh, are you on drugs? What's wrong with you? Right? Unbelief's talking to him. He's living, I'm sure other people were too. He's living in this world. Distrust. I mean, God may, uh, oh, he said that, but he's, you know, how can you trust him? Maybe he found someone better. Maybe that mistake you made last week disqualified you from what God said to you two weeks ago. Distrust, right? Listen, if, if the integrity of my relationship with God depends on my performance, I'm done. I need something that is absolutely foolproof as a foundation for my relationship with him. What is that? The blood of Jesus. The sacrifice of Christ. It gives me unswerving confidence night and day to come before my father and receive all that I need for the situation I'm in. So no unbelief or distrust could talk Abraham out of what God said made him waver, doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. Well, woohoo! good for Abraham. What about me? Was he some super special person? Did he just automatically believe God and never be tempted to waver or doubt, never face any situations? No, he's just like you. How did he become strong? He grew strong. How? He was empowered. It was a process. By faith. What's faith? Being sure and certain of what God has said and done. As he gave praise and glory to God. 
That means in his life, just like your life, there were things that God spoke to him and promised him, and unbelief and distrust knocked on his door and tried to talk him out of those things, and instead of listening to them, he silenced them by praising his father. Decade of praise. 2020 to 2030, we're silencing fears and doubts by exercising our will to praise him fully assured and satisfied that he's able and mighty to keep us and to do what he's promised. So as he gave praise and glory to God, he was empowered. He grew stronger. Have you experienced this? Man, I love it. This is a daily wonderful transformation. Set time aside every day of your life to worship him. Do it. Just do it. Don't try and figure out how you're going to. Just start it today. Okay, this 15 minutes is just for you, God. Hallelujah. You are faithful. You keep your word. You sent your word and healed me. Lord, I thank you for who you are showing up in every area of my life. I thank you that angels encamp round about me and protect me. I thank you that you've given them charge that I will not even strike my foot against the stone. I thank you that you are a high tower around me. Hallelujah. Make time, set aside time to do this in your life. And then do it all day as you're going throughout your day. And any time a fear or a doubt rings your doorbell, begin to worship God knowing that everything he said is yes and amen and so in your life. So here's Abraham being challenged by unbelief and distrust. And instead of listening to them, he grows stronger and he's empowered by praising and worshiping God. Look at verse 21. But he didn't praise and worship God ignorantly saying whatever will be will be. He was fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. This is Bible praise. This is Bible praise. Fully satisfied and assured that God is able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. Hallelujah. Decade of praise. This will unlock your best life. This will enable you to taste and see how good he is. Hallelujah. Happy New Year. Thank you, Father, for time in your presence. Thank Lord, every time we come together, you're here imparting life to us imparting strength to us, giving us a clearer vision of what you've done for us and who we are in you. And Lord, we rejoice in this new life we have in you. We're starting a new year, a new decade, living a new life. And we thank you that we're new creations in you. We're your sons and daughters in the earth to shine forth your marvelous light and change the atmosphere around us everywhere we go. And we rejoice in your love for us. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us cultivate this atmosphere of light and praise and worship in our daily lives. To not 
uh, to not converse with unbelief and distrust and fears and worries, but to worship you fully satisfied and assured that you are able and mighty to keep us and to do all you've promised. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.